0: Good morning, everyone. Today I'll be reading from 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 20. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Timothy, my son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them you might fight the good fight, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Some have rejected these and so have shipwrecked their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme.
1: Thank you readers. Great job. Great job. Good morning, Antioch Community Church. Good All right. You are here and awake and with us. This is great. This is great. Well, this morning we come back into our, this new series we've started in uh, First Timothy. Uh, Timothy, we looked last week at his story of how he developed through these different assignments that he was given uh, through Paul by, by God. To each one, he, he did some important things and he learned and he was stretched and he grew so that God could use him more and more. And I hope you spent some time thinking about what's your current assignment. Um, I did. I found that uh, homework to be more challenging to do than I actually expected it to be. <laughs> because one day I'm like, oh, I think it's this. I think I understand it. The next day I'm like, I have no idea. I'm like waiting. I'm praying. I'm trying to, you know, it was kind of this back and forth, but it was good to do. And uh, I hope you also had an experience with that as well. As Paul continues his mentoring relationship of this younger man, Timothy... And he's encouraging him in the faith as he's getting started in his new role. He's now taken on this role of being the pastor of the church in Ephesus. Paul writes 1 Timothy to him to strengthen him and to encourage him. And today we're going to see how Paul took this testimony, Paul's testimony, Paul's story of how he met Jesus and became a follower of Jesus... And he's telling Timothy again, like, I need to remind you of my story. It's important for you to hear it again, Timothy. So we're going to take a look at what Paul's story actually was and why it was that Timothy needed to hear it, why it was so important for him, why it's important for us to pause and think about our story of how we came to, to meet Christ. Before we do that, would you pause with me and just pray? Uh, For one, we just want to acknowledge God's presence here with us. If God weren't here with us, um, this would be a a nice conversation. But I want it to be more than that. We We want to hear from the Holy Spirit. We want to hear from God. He's given us his word to nurture us and feed us. So let's just talk to him about that. Father, thank you for the opportunity to... Be here together and open your word together and sing your praises together. We really do want to be strengthened in our faith. And we want to hear from you. So, Lord, would you speak to us today? Help us, Lord, to understand your word and to grow from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, listen to uh, this little section from... Acts the book of Acts it's the Acts of the Apostles it's this description of the story of the early church and in Acts chapter 26 verses 9 through 11 the apostle Paul tells a little bit of his testimony he says i too was convinced that i ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth and this is what i just what i did in Jerusalem On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. And think about that. That's crazy that somebody would be obsessed with persecuting the followers of Jesus. He was going around with this obsession, pushing and harassing, even to the point of people being killed. This was Paul, the Apostle Paul. This is who he was. Um, I mean, it's crazy. Paul was a Roman citizen by birth, which is pretty significant, and he was a Jewish Pharisee by training. Neither one of those groups liked Jesus much because Jesus was coming in saying, you know what? God is king. God is Lord. Let's give to the Lord what is his. I mean, it, it, it felt like usurping to the Romans, and it felt like a... Like, like something wrong to the Pharisees, you know, they, they felt like Jesus was taking them away from the Old Testament. They didn't understand that he was the fulfillment of it. So as a Roman citizen and as a Pharisee, Paul's like, this is wrong. This whole Jesus thing's got to stop. And if we can just kill and harass enough people, this whole movement of the way will die off. So that was his obsession. And he's going around uh, persecuting in crazy ways. If we go to Acts chapter 9, the first six verses say this. Meanwhile, Saul, his name was Saul, and God, when his conversion was so dramatic, he came out of it with a name change to Paul. His name was Saul. Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what to do. This was Saul's conversion story. He was dead set on opposing Christ and all the followers of Jesus in an obsessive way. He had no interest in it. He wasn't a seeker. He wasn't trying to find Jesus so he could inquire of him and learn and maybe see if he was legit. He was 100% certain that he should oppose the followers of Jesus. And Jesus himself came and knocked him to the ground, literally blinded him, with this flashing light. He was blind. He had to go seek someone who could restore his sight. And he he set his feet on a completely different path. It was just an incredible uh, conversion story. And now this man who had spent his whole life, or his whole adult life as a young man persecuting the church, was now being called not just to become a follower of Jesus himself, but a leader, (laughs) In the church, a witness, a, a church planter, someone who was, who was helping mentor other leaders in the church. it 's a dramatic change. it 's one of these incredibly dramatic testimonies. Some of you, I think, probably have a testimony that was really dramatic. You know, maybe it was like I was just pursuing as much fun as I could get in life, and then God came and interrupted that and showed me there's another way. Or I was was stuck in addiction, Uh, and, and then God came and like broke that and rescued me and brought me into his family. Some kind of dramatic testimony. And I always love to hear these dramatic testimonies. It's like, wow, God did that. That's crazy. So take all of that, Paul's big dramatic testimony, and now shift gears with me a little bit to hear a different kind of testimony. Paul reflects on Timothy's testimony. Timothy had a totally different kind of testimony. Maybe some of you can relate to this. He, he mentions it in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. It only takes one verse. Timothy's testimony is so simple. He, and Tim, Paul says this, I re, I'm reminded, Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. That's Timothy's testimony. His testimony was just this. You know what? Your grandmother was a sweet woman who loved Jesus. And so was your mom. And you know what, Timothy, I think you're... I think you have a sweet love for Jesus, too. (laughs) Now, all the men in here are going, that sounds really wimpy. Like, it's awesome. Praise God for awesome grandmothers and awesome moms. But, like, where's the drama? Where's the change? Where's the big, like, lightning moment where God intervened? It's just like this simple little testimony. When I look at these two testimonies, I'm like, well... My testimony is pretty clearly a Timothy testimony. Uh, my grandparents, some of them, loved Jesus. My parents loved Jesus. I grew up in a Christian home. And when I was five years old, I remember this well. When I was five years old, I went to Sunday night church. We used to have that. We had church twice every, every Sunday and, and every Wednesday, three times a week. And you weren't a good Christian unless you did all three. Sunday night church, I don't know what the pastor preached about, but he gave an altar call at the end, which basically meant if you want to give your life to Jesus, come up to the front and give your life to Jesus. And as a five-year-old kid, I remember thinking, I have to. I can't go on with life without doing this. And so I got up and I went to the front, and the pastor was like, okay, that's nice. And he walked me back to my parents' He didn't do anything with it, which actually was really good. He probably knew my parents well enough to know. We went home, and that night I prayed with my dad to to give my life to Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins and become a member of his family. So it was like a good, sweet thing, but I was five, man. I didn't break any addictions. I wasn't out beating up all the kids after school. A little bit of that happened later, but... I I didn't have like these big, long lists of horrible things I was doing that God stopped and changed and cleansed. I was five years old, and I just believed what my parents told me, and it stuck. It was real, Um, and that's my testimony, and I'm sticking to it. But it made me think, though, like there's this dramatic difference between these testimonies Who in here would have a testimony that you can say, if if you had to pick one, like, I relate more to Paul's testimony, or I relate more to Timothy's testimony? How How many of you would relate more to Paul's testimony? A pretty significant change in your life. All right, some of you have that. Like, man, God interrupted. God came and chased me down, changed some major things. How many of you would have more of like a Timothy testimony? Wow. Okay, I kind of assumed there'd be more of the Timothy testimonies. This was about, uh, about 20 to 1 or 30 to 1 in here. Um, pretty significant. So it's interesting, as I've thought about this, you know, us with the Timothy testimony, we need to hear the Big Paul testimony sometimes. Amen? Amen. We need to hear that not that we doubt like our own thing. Sometimes maybe we do doubt our own like was that real for me or was I just a kid what was going on? But sometimes we need to be reminded that God's grace and gospel are powerful and bring powerful change into people's lives. Both testimonies are legitimate and good and we should tell both, we should hear both. But sometimes there's a unique importance to those changed testimonies that God gives. Um, And and Paul here is telling Timothy, so the, the big Paul testimony is telling Timothy, you need to hear my testimony. Now this is a little bit crazy, because we know from last week, Timothy traveled with Paul. And one thing Paul did when he went from city to city is he shared his testimony. Timothy's heard this. He's probably heard this thing like 20 times. At least, and yet Paul's going. You know what, Timothy? If if you're going to lead well, you need to remember my testimony. So let's take a look at this at the passage starting in verse twelve. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. This 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 is Paul reminding Timothy. He Jesus who's given me strength that he considered me trustworthy. And receive eternal life. Now, to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. He just like bursts into this worship song as he's thinking about how amazing it is that God would pick him and pour his grace out on him. Someone who is so opposed to all things godly. What was the thing that Paul called himself in that text? What does he call himself? The worst of sinners. Now you could understand, Paul could be making a logical statement like, you know, before salvation, Timothy, you were saved when you were five, that's nice. Um, but I was like in my mid 20s, graduated from Pharisee school, Roman citizen, kill, literally killing, murdering Christians. We know that when uh, there's a story of, of a man named Stephen, he's a godly man serving people. And Paul stood there over his death while they stoned him to death. Paul could look at that and say, if we compare the two of us, I was the worst sinner. I was worse. But, but that's not actually what he says in this passage. What does he call, does he say, I was the worst sinner? Is he comparing to what his life was like before? Let's see, so that in me, the worst of sinners, this is, oh, right up here, of whom I am the worst. He's still speaking in present tense. He looks at himself and he says, I am the worst of sinners, even still, and yet God's mercy, his grace is poured out on me. It gives all glory, all praise to God. You know, there are, there are different reasons we can look and feel inside like we're the worst of sin. Have you ever felt like that? No one's going to raise their hand, by the way, but like that's a totally rhetorical question. Um, like I'm just the worst person ever. There's a couple of reasons why we might feel that way. Um, one, like for Paul, is this thing called guilt. You know what guilt is? Guilt means I did something bad. I did something wrong. That thing I did is right. It's stuck. It's in me. It's put a stain on me. And I, the way we alleviate guilt, the remedy for guilt is we confess our sins. Like I did this thing. I did this horrible thing, and it's standing between us. And so I confess it, and God cleanses it and washes us clean. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and he will forgive us for our sins. But guilt can sometimes make us feel like the worst of sinners. But there's something else that can make us feel that way too. And it's called shame. Shame isn't about what I did. Shame is about who I think I am. Shame is when I think, you know what, there's something actually wrong with me that makes me unlovable unwantable unacceptable no matter what i do or don't do and it's be, and sometimes we feel this sense of shame so like we read in the bible well, you should just walk in your identity in christ god loves you and accepts you and we go yeah but i know myself better than that i know me i'm not worth that i'm actually i actually don't know that i can receive it and the the barrier to God's grace coming in us, isn't God's lack of generosity or desire for us. It's my lack of, of ability to receive it. But I want you to know that regardless of whatever it is, Paul's testimony is an encouragement to us. It's like, you're not worse than Paul. And God's grace was poured out on him abundantly and completely. He was not only like accepted as a member of the family of God, he was accepted, he was, he was promoted into the head. He was the most influential person in the New Testament, apart from Jesus. could maybe argue some of the disciples. Paul was kind of a disciple of Jesus, although a later addition, And God did that with Paul. I think it's encouraging for us to remind ourselves of God's grace to Paul and to hear his testimony and to hear his story because it reminds us that we're accepted too. That God looks at you no matter how weak you think you are, no matter how flawed you think you are, how unlovable or unwantable you might think some days. That God looks at you and says, I not only love you and want you, but I actually want you to be, uh, in, to make an impact in the kingdom of God. I want you to be used to extend God's grace to other people as well. So we need the testimonies that are, that are bold and transformative. Uh, even us who are maybe more like Timothy, because it reminds us, like Paul's doing here, hey man, don't forget what God's grace did in me, and don't underestimate what God's grace can do in you. And the purpose of it goes beyond us. Paul said, for this very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and and receive eternal life. God didn't just save you to give you a testimony to encourage you, it's because he wants other people to see your story, to hear your story and realize that your neighbor can be saved too. That your coworker can also experience God's grace and salvation. And our story is an important part of helping other people see God can do these amazing things in our lives. They remind us to fight for the gospel. They remind us to fight for the gospel. Paul tells this powerful testimony story, reminds Timothy of it, He says, verse 18, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith with a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck uh, regarding the faith. And he names a couple people who who didn't didn't hold on to the gospel. He's like, Timothy, remember remember these stories, remember my testimony, it'll help you fight this battle well. We've got to remember what God's grace does in us and think about it, and we can remember by talking to each other about how we were saved and what God's doing in our lives so that we can hold on to the gospel. I'll tell you, you you need to fight for the gospel in your own life. Some days no one else will fight for the gospel for you. No one else will fight to remind you of God's grace. You need to commit to doing that for yourself. I need to commit to doing it for myself. i got to find ways to remind myself of God's commitment, His grace, His covenant to me. And so do you. Read the word every day talk to people, get in a community group. Part of your your community group discussion this week is going to be to share some of your stories so you can remind each other, oh, God did that in your life? God poured out his grace to you that way? God called you and saved you? Oh, man, I needed to hear that. You're going to have to fight for the gospel in your own life because guilt, shame, the world will all tell you Jesus isn't worth it. That's not real. Following Jesus is, an, is a waste of time. We need to remind ourselves of the truth of the gospel. We need to fight for the gospel um, in our own life. We also need to fight for the gospel in our church. It's super easy for churches to forget about the main reason that why we're here. Right? we're here because of Jesus. We talk about that's why we we talk about this at the beginning of every single service cuz we don't want to forget. We could easily do what thousands of other churches have done. Say, you know what? It's cool. We have grocery ministry. Let's let's feed people. Like get our focus on another thing and forget about the salvation stories that we have. How the gospel was active in us. And forget about it and just do good things and now we're just another civic organization or a social club let's have another get-together because fellowship is great we want to remember the purpose that we have to fight for the gospel here Ryan fights for the gospel in his song selections so that Jesus and the salvation and grace of God is highlighted in the way that we sing every Sunday that's not accidental that's intentional we need to fight for the gospel in our church. Because our neighbors need it. Our neighbors, our co-workers, our family members who don't yet know Jesus, they need to know. They need to hear the stories. They need to realize that there's but there's a story that can impact them. There's first of all the story of Jesus. That Jesus was God Himself, but but left that Left that. He didn't hold on to that and stay in heaven. He opened his hands to come in humility so he could walk with us and be among us. That's what Christmas is all about. It's, this, it's the beginning of the story of Jesus who said, I'd rather live here in this world with pain and suffering than live without you. So he made his dwelling among us so that he could choose to be humble. He could choose to be a servant and even at some point choose to accept blame for our sin and be convicted, tried, convicted, and and sentenced to death as a criminal on a cross when he had done no wrong and do it without opening his mouth to defend himself because he's accepting our sin on his shoulders. That's Jesus' story. And when he died on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sins. And then he rose from the dead to be like, yeah, that doesn't hold me down. I'm also God. And we're going we're to put that to the, to the grave. And then that's Jesus' story. My story is that I, cho- I chose to believe that that was true for me. That I could trust what Jesus did. I chose to believe that Jesus was right and that I could I could say Well, would you take on my sins too? And he's like, Done. You're forgiven. But could I also be part of your family? Yep, I rose from the dead and you're rising with me. So that what's true for Jesus becomes true of me. That's my story. And we want to make sure we always remember Jesus' story and our story. We got to fight to remember that. And I would love to hear your story. Um, it'd be really fun. You, you, maybe we could block out the next like five hours, six hours and just put this mic right here and just hear all of your stories. Actually, we're going to find a way to do that because it, in your community group, you'll have a chance. You can hear other people's stories. And we need to do it. Um, I thought about as an application today, like, you need to tell someone your story. You need to tell someone your story. And that's true. That is really true. If you're ready to do it, do it. Um, but that's also intimidating, right? Anybody like, yeah, that's not super easy for me sometimes. So I'll give you a smaller baby step to do before that, okay? The first one is remember to read First uh, read Timothy again. Just keep washing your mind with the Word of God and let it change you each day in your own private time with the Lord. But that second one is, would you, would you this week consider asking someone else to tell you their story? Just flip it and just say, would you tell, what is your story with God? What's your story with Jesus? How did you become a follower of Jesus? That's it, simple. How did you become a follower of Jesus? Ask someone to tell you their story. And actually, I want you to ask two people. Find someone inside Antioch and say, how did you become a follower of Jesus? And then just like be a really good listener. You can do that. Just be a good listener. Like just really pay attention, listen, ask a couple follow-up questions um, and hear their story. And then secondly, ask someone who doesn't come to Antioch. Now, they might not be a follower of Jesus. That's okay. You can just say, what's your story with Jesus? I mean, have you, do you know Have you ever thought about Jesus? Have you ever thought about following him? And maybe their story is, let me tell you the reasons why I wouldn't do that. That's a great start to a conversation. And they might ask you about your story too. But that's your work today, this week, in the next couple of days. Ask two people to tell you their story. Somebody in Antioch and someone outside of Antioch. So take a second and think about who you would ask. And I'm going to pray for us. Because these stories, man, they, they take the whole spotlight and they shine it on Jesus. They shine it on the gospel and they show us where that intersects with our lives. And that's so important. We must never forget what God has done for us. So let me pray for you as you think about who you're going to ask to tell you their story. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, and the incredible things he's done for us. Father, I pray for each person here and watching online that you would give, give them, just plant in their mind the face or name of those two people they're going to ask. Tell me your story about Jesus. Tell me how you met him. Tell me Tell me why you decided to follow him. Father, I pray that you'd prepare us for those conversations. You'd use us this week to engage in that. And that Jesus would be lifted up and glorified through our conversations. We just want other people to know him. And Lord, I pray that other people through us would come to know him. Lord, I pray that the elders, we've been praying this year for conversion growth, that people who just have never really tried church before would meet Jesus and come and join us as followers here at Antioch. Lord, use us to, to shine your light into this world. In Jesus' name, amen.